Greetings, church and friends of the church. Uh, this is the scripture lesson and the sermon uh, that were offered for uh, the consideration of all those who gathered as part of the Valley Forge Presbyterian Church on Sunday, February 20th. Uh, the scripture lesson is from the middle part of the second chapter of the first letter of Peter, where the author writes this in encouragement to the church. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that, though they malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when God comes to judge. For the Lord's sake, Accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the emperor as supreme or of governors as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right, you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. As servants of God, live as free people. Yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil. Honor everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. In this episode, we continue a series of reflections upon this first letter of Peter, written to encourage Christians who are living in places that were not operating <clears throat> by Christian ethics or norms or expectations. In this episode, we, we hear the author's guidance regarding how a Christian is to understand and respond to human authorities and their structures and their systems, while maintaining a foundational and prioritized commitment to the authority of God over and in all. This was a fitting question to ask um, because we asked it together during President's Day weekend. It's also a, a very complex question and one that the church has not always managed to navigate while finding that particular balance that uh, I believe Christ was inviting them to discover. Sometimes the church has lost its balance in the direction of interpreting this text as an invitation to complete and unconditional deference to human authority, no matter what laws or systems that human authority puts in place. This is the misinterpretation that God ordained this person to be an authority, and therefore this person must be perfectly and totally embodying God's direction, and everything this person says or does must be 100% from God, even if it seems like the complete opposite of God's will of peace. This is the misinterpretation. Well, you know, it was God's will for this person to be president or dictator or whatever. Therefore, his command that all redheads must either dye their hair black or be banished, well, that must be what God wants. So let's get to rounding up all those uh, gingers like Tim and Get them out of here, report them somewhere else. Other times, 
the church has lost its balance in the opposite direction. Uh, interpreting this invitation as freedom and license to ignore, completely disregard all human authority and structures as illegitimate. This is the thought that God has nothing to do with any person in a place of authority, does not speak or do anything in or through this authority and the systems and structures that he or she puts in place. That this is the this is the understanding that God has nothing to do with anything human authority related. That says things like, well, that's just a person. God is Lord. Only God can tell me or us what to do. And you know, God hasn't told me that I can't drive a tank down the road into this other country. Um, the Bible doesn't say that I can't. It's my God-given right, and that counts more than your human laws. But both of these, uh, the unconditional and complete deference and obeyance, equating that human authority with God, or the complete rejection and disregard both, both missed the point of what this letter was encouraging and what Jesus taught in encouraging the people with teachings like, hey, give to Caesar what is due to Caesar and give to God what is due to God. The author's invitation is into this balanced and nuanced relationship with human authority that is grounded in a foundation of Christian faith and commitment. Abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul, the author writes. Intentionally avoid getting into those places where you're giving into fear and desire that, that come either from your own self or from some other voice telling you what to fear or desire. Those giving into those fears and desires that, that keep your commitment to God and God's will of peace from being at the very soul of who you are. Abstain from those things. Conduct yourselves honorably so that the locals in your community see your goodness and your value and know that you're not an enemy, but that you are a people who are seeking the well-being of the whole community, including them. Everything, everything, everything we do as Christians in relationship with human authorities and systems and structures must be built around uh, or upon our foundational commitment to being Christ-like, being godly, honorable, living stones of the spiritual household, as Peter helped us to consider uh, in a previous reflection. The commitment to be disciplined and loving and aligned with truth as we thought about. So the, the author here uses the word servants, like being a servant to someone, only once in this teaching. And the context is critical. Because it says that we are servants of God. The goal of our lives is to seek and to serve God's ends. We do not serve the emperor or the governor or the president or the laws of the land. We do not serve the desires or fears of the self, we serve God. And all of our attitudes and actions and decisions and words are to embody that servitude to God. We are to honor everyone, 
including the emperor. But honor doesn't mean the same as serving. Honor means assigning value to others, not dismissing them as worthless to us or worthless to God and God's purposes. However, we must remember that honor doesn't mean bestowing them with the title of perfection or holy, godly, or righteous. They remain human and imperfect. We are to accept the authority of every human institution, says the letter. But again, acceptance is not the same as serving. Acceptance does not mean complete surrender to the will of the human institution, no matter what. Rather, acceptance means not outright rejecting and ignoring that human institution. We don't re reject our human authorities and systems outright as illegitimate or worthless. We accept that they are who and what they are. We recognize their value, their potential to be positively participating in God's action for the sake of God's will of peace in this world. We recognize that we are part of that community and that we're not trying to opt out and differentiate ourselves. We're not rejecting national, state, local human authorities and trying to be our own separate Christian nation. These early Christians were encouraged to accept and honor the human institutions of these various nations that they found themselves in, just as we are to accept and honor the human institutions of the various levels of our nation. Yet, we always must remember in that place of acceptance and honor that we are not bound in unconditional service to and of them. We are a people of freedom. We are free to choose whom we serve and what ends to pursue. Just because a certain person or party or set of laws is authoritative in our context, we're not bound to serve that authority. The author cautioned the church, don't, don't use your freedom as a pretext for doing or participating in something evil, something that is opposed to God and God's will of goodness, love, justice, and, and everyone being all together in, in well-being and in peace. We are free to choose to serve those authorities and attitudes and agendas that are unchristian and ungodly, unloving, self-serving, and destructive to peace, just as we are also free to choose to serve God. And of course, that's what we are encouraged to choose. It is God's will, writes the author, that we should do what is right. And that means if the human authority, the president, the emperor, the governor, the laws, the codes, the norms, or the self in seeking to be self-focused and self-serving, if that authority, whether it's someone, another human, or it's within our own selves, encourages and demands an attitude, an action, a word that is not right, that is not aligned with God's will of love and peace for all people, and God's will that we would love and abide with one another in relationships of mutual concern, we are to abstain from these desires that wage war against our soul, that place where God's love and will drives the attitudes and actions of our lives from within, should we choose. We are to abstain from those things. Do not condone the status quo. Seek to make the authority and the institutions 
better and more as God intends them to be. We are to do what is right. That is God's will for us, says the author. As uh, Martin Luther King Jr. famously quoted as saying, the time is always right to do what is right. Not everything that is legal is right, and not everything that is right is legal. But we are always to choose the right. We are to conduct ourselves honorably, even if those around us who are serving their own selves and their desires and their fears or are serving some other human authority, misguiding them with some culture of fear, hatred, or division, or greed, even if those others malign us as the worthy evildoers for doing the right and godly thing, it is always the right time to do what is right. No matter how hard, how frightening, how countercultural. This is our calling as the church. This is our witness. This is what is to be embodied in the attitudes and actions of our life together. And our calling is that as we embody what is godly and right, what is honorable, what is true, that this serves to silence the ignorance of those who are living foolishly because they're following the will of the self or some other rather than the will of God. And it allows the church, bearing this witness, with God's help to teach the now silenced world what good and honorable and peacemaking living actually looks like. That they might be compelled and convicted to choose to honor God, to serve God with the attitudes and actions of their own lives, rather than glorifying a human authority or the self. This is our work to do. Church, to show the world what it looks like for God to have the authority to love and to shape and to restore the world to a place of peace and justice. And if we, the church, don't bear this witness by embodying our commitment to serving God and God's will alone, who will? We must be the church in our Bithynia, one of the towns where this letter was going. We all have our own Bithynia. For, for me where, and us where we are, it's King of Prussia, Bridgeport, the Swedes. We must be the church in our Bithynia and not just be seeking to be a, a group of individuals who are going to church. Because in just going to church, separated from the neighbors that we are called to serve, even the most caring and well-meaning of congregations can find themselves in this paradigm of creating insiders and outsiders and then seeking to either convert or exclude outsiders rather than seeking the Christ, the, the kingdom of Christ paradigm where there's simply and universally are neither insiders nor outsiders. The act of only going to church cannot and does not bear the same depth of witness to our communities as being the church by declaring that there are no insiders or outsiders and then seeking to do the right thing for the sake of all. We hear the author not inviting them to build church buildings as 
forts uh, to which they could go and in which they could hunker down and hide away from the people of these towns while doing things that were enjoyable or comfortable or easy or as they preferred. The author did not invite them to, to build these buildings and then figure out which combination of preaching and music and kids programming and potluck dinners enabled them to convert the most number of outsiders. And, and then once they're inside, then they'll love and invest in them after they've kind of crossed that threshold from outsider to insider. The author was not inviting them on the other side of that coin to abandon their Christian commitment of serving God in favor of serving some other human authority or culture instead, or to abandon their Christian norms and ethics and just assimilate into and adopt the norms and ethics of these non-Christian cultures. They were, and we are, as the church in this place and time, to actively intentionally do what is right. To do what is Christ-like. To do what is loving and helpful and healing and welcoming and graceful. And to do whatever we can with the resources and time available to us in service of God and God's will of peace and justice among all people in our community, whether they ever step foot into our gathering in a building like this or not. We are those who are to seek to do what is honorable and right and good. We are those who are blessed as we are makers of peace, as we participate in our community, becoming more just and healthy and united and whole. That's what happens when we seek to be the church not just to go to church in our bubble. If we are humble and honest, would we confess to serving the self more often than serving God? Would we confess to serving a human authority, whether that's an individual political leader or political party or set of uh, imperfect human laws and structures or an individual religious leader, religious tradition or a set of imperfect human religious dogmas and rituals and habits? Would we confess to seeking uh, the Republican kingdom come or the Democratic kingdom come or the Presbyterian kingdom come or the non-denominational kingdom come? Would we confess to taking on, assimilating to, adopting unchristian attitudes, norms, and ethics of our culture around us as they are unloving, unwelcoming, exclusionary, and don't make for justice and peace? Would we confess to using our freedom to choose fealty to someone or something other than God and the will that God has for us and all people that was made known in Jesus. But also, folks here in Valley Forge in particular, if we were humble and honest, we would also confess, maybe through gritted teeth and with some resentment or some anger or some fear, that the ways that we as a community are changing, the ways that our buildings and spaces are changing in shape and form and use, and the ways that we are talking about who we are in this community as, as the ways we talk about that are changing. Would we also confess, and I believe we, we do, that this is happening because we're choosing in our freedom to abstain from living in accordance with our own desires that prioritize our own comfort, our own certainty, our own preferences. And instead, we're choosing to serve God and God's purposes for King of Prussia and Bridgeport here and now. Knowing that now is the right time to do the right thing. 
and time to intentionally conduct ourselves in ways that the increasingly non-religious community around us sees as honorable. So that by our witness of our, of our intentional action and love for those who are hungry, for those who don't have housing, for, for those families with kids that can't afford to make ends meet, more and more of our community are inspired by that, compelled and invited into lives that also seek God's good ends of peace and well-being. This is us, church. We are doing this here in Valley Forge. And it is so very rare and amazing and faithful. So may God bless us as we continue to seek to be a church of peacemakers who seek to honor and love and to serve God by honoring, loving, and serving all of our neighbors, especially the least among us. Until we are all together here in this community, in the kingdom of Christ on earth, now and here. Amen. God's help may be so. Peace to all.